1: You know, Hugo, life isn't nice, it's contingent. People who say they love you also fuck you. So this is an explicit plan to fuck the deal. Me rule the world. And you can come, but it won't be a collaboration, okay? You'll be my dog. But the scraps from the table will be millions. Millions. Happy? Woof, woof. Sorry, I just got to take notes on how to make a good podcast pitch for Decoding TV. Anyway, (laughs) hello, everyone. Welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I am David Chen.
0: And I'm Kim Renfro.
1: On today's episode of Decoding TV, we're going to be covering and spoiling season four, episode nine of Succession, entitled Church and State. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com and find us on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Instagram. At Decoding TV. I do want to mention uh, that at decodingtv.com is where you can sign up for our free email list, but also become a paid member. I did put the call out for people to suggest what they want us to cover next at decodingtv.com. Um, dozens of people have chimed in over the course of the last 12 hours uh, to suggest what we cover next on Decoding TV. The number one uh, liked comment is about The Bear Season 2, which premieres on Hulu on June 22nd. So uh, I think we will very likely be covering that show here on uh, Decoding TV, probably as of this week in streaming. But if you want to make your voice heard, check out DecodingTV.com, become a free subscriber or a paid subscriber, and uh, comment on this thread asking people what we should cover next. Uh, Really appreciate hearing from everyone. Uh, And you know what, Kim? As I was making this post at DecodingTV.com, I was struck by... How many TV shows are premiering in the next eight weeks? It's really.
0: What, what's the, sh- do you know the tally? What's the total tally? Again? Well, I don't know
1: the total tally, but like here, I just, I just read off what I've listed here. Um, yeah. Silo, The Idol, Based on a True Story, The Crowded Room, The Full Monty, Star Trek, Strange New World, Secret Invasion, The Bear, I'm a Virgo, Hijack, Black Mirror, Justified. Um, all those are premiering in the next two months. We are not covering all those on <laughs> Decoding TV. That's too many things to cover. But uh, we will cover some subset of them, and you can let us know what you think at decodingtv@gmail.com at or uh, sign up for our newsletter at decodingtv.com. So
0: the TV is going to keep TVing.
1: The TV and we're going to keep decoding. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is the plan. Um, all right, so Kim Renfro. Before we get into this week's episode, of course, we like to do some follow-ups from last week's episode, season four, episode eight. Entitled America Decides, and got a bunch of feedback at decodingtv at gmail.com uh, in response to last week's episode. Let's, talk, let's start with this one from Shannon, uh, who writes into decodingtv at gmail.com um, Love your show, uh, love your approach. Episode eight was epic, but I also feel like we are all ignoring a major plot hole which is that ATN is not the only major cable news station in the world. And most of the other ones are not conservative, similar to reality in America. And if something like this were to actually happen in real life, I feel like Fox would do what ATN did, but none of the other networks would. And in fact, they would immediately start openly criticizing ATN for their coverage and for incorrectly slash prematurely calling the election and they would not follow suit. And even if they did, the TV networks are not the ones who actually make the election decision. Uh, Uh, sorry, who actually make the decision about who wins the elections. There are laws and elected officials and secretaries of state and other groups that would hold their position in the other direction. And no president would be frowned, uh, would be crowned as long as 100,000 votes were missing. It just wouldn't happen. When Trump tried this and made his claims that votes had not been counted, he still lost, mostly because the non-Fox channels told him to pound sand. It took a long time to prove and disprove that they were were or weren't counted, but no one just let him take the election because he said he won. And it wouldn't happen today because Fox is not the only channel on the air. I assume uh, that will happen on Succession and we'll see a a court fight and ensuing conflict uh, to determine what actually happened and who won. But I don't think a president would be seated just because one network wanted it to go that way and called it. The others would simply not follow suit. Disagree? Mm -hmm. Fight me, bro! (coughs) That comes in from Shannon. Uh, And... Several people did point this out that, hey, just because a network declares an election is over does not mean that it is actually over in reality. Uh, I agree that the events as they were depicted on the show are not true to life and don't take place uh, in the same way or on the same timeline as they would happen in real life. Uh, But what the show is trying to do is throw us a bunch of different situations. As I indicated on last week's episode, I think it's a combination of 2016, 2020, and also the 2000 election Mm. between Bush versus Gore. Uh, This is from the Wikipedia page of the 2000 US presidential election. On November 7th, uh, the controversy began when the national television network's uh first called florida for gore in the hour after polls closed in the peninsula but about 10 minutes before they closed in the heavily republican counties of the panhandle later in the evening the networks reversed their call moving it to too close to call then later giving it to bush then they retracted that call as well finally indicating the state was too close to call end quote so that that is a thing that actually happened in our u.s history uh and yes it's true that the election is not decided because the network makes a decision, but people's opinions of whether an election is decided is formed on election night. And that can actually shape reality as we saw very unfortunately, not very long ago. Yeah. Uh, So, so I think it's true to say that it's not accurate. What happened last episode, but the show is trying to indicate like, here's some things that could happen. And it's trying to kind of paint with a broad brush, to get us to understand, like, hey, it's not. It wouldn't play out exactly like this, but yeah. some something like this could actually happen, and I agree with that. Um, Kim, any yeah, thoughts?
0: yeah. Again, it like it felt to me. I was I was reflecting on this when I was like talking about the episode with someone else, and like, oh my oh my God, what is the big fallout going to be sort of in this universe? And then I was like, well, we're very close to the end of this series. And so far, they've been very consistent with the season that we're only really seeing 24 or 36 hours forward at a time. So I was like, the point to me of that episode was not, okay, who's actually going to be inaugurated president the following January? I was like, we're clearly not even going to get there. Instead, what the show was, I think, effectively communicating was how those kinds of major political news stories which as you just pointed out have happened in our history could be amalgamated into a believable unfolding of events that has devastating impacts and i think that that was like that felt true to form of like the way it could happen behind the scenes not necessarily like the plot details of how it's going to shake out in the actual inauguration or the actual declaration of a, a winner in this election
1: yeah, and I think that the emotional truth is what's most important. Yeah, people people watch Inception. Have you seen Inception, Kim? The Christopher multiple Nolan times. Movie? Yes, people watch Inception. They're like, oh, does the top fall at the end? Does the top like the spinning top? Does yeah, it fall yeah. at the yeah. end? And what people aren't focused on is um, what Christopher Nolan wants you to focus on. You know, in an interview, he said the most important part of the ending of Inception is that Cobb is no longer looking at the top. Like yeah. that, that is what is the emotional reality and the journey that that character has gone on. It's not whether the top, uh, stands or falls. Right. And a lot of people miss that. That being said, you are listening to decoding TV where we <laughs> nitpick the heck out of, out of everything. And so I completely understand people writing in to protest that last week's episode was completely unrealistic. Um, I, yeah. I agree. I agree, but it is an, it is a lack of realism that I'm willing to forgive because it, they, they wanted to make some trade-offs. Uh, and one of the trade-offs is they want to tell. You know this story so far yeah. over the course of nine days, uh, and you know that requires some some compromises. Yeah. In, in this episode, Kim, season four, episode nine, we've seen that. Uh, I, I think they're kind of hand waving it away, like oh, there's protests, yeah. and, but it's like you don't get a sense of like what the legal challenges are. Uh, about the election and how drawn out it's going to be. And it's going to take months. And when will it actually be resolved? Like they, they don't really get into that because it's not about that at this point. It's about what you said, Kim. Yeah. Um, these, these siblings making a terrible decision and it having disastrous consequences. And that's basically all you need to know um, when it right. comes to the real life implications.
0: Yeah. Right. And I would say in this episode, it's clear that the, that we're seeing the sort of Fox news to insurrectionist, timeline like like that like sort of first 24, 36 hours of like there's all of this quote unquote unrest and a lot of it is coming from galvanized people who are being fed misinformation about this election. Totally.
1: Yeah. Um so anyway, thank you for for sharing that. I think I think a lot of people felt that way, that yeah. it was unrealistic, but you know, uh I I was okay with it. I was okay with it. Uh in last week's episode I did ask about People saw Tom Mencken, Jared Mencken. We did get some emails back and forth. Uh, Paul wrote into decodingtv at gmail.com, uh, actually, really liking the depiction of Mencken. Um, Paul writes, I want to push back respectfully but strongly on David's point that the presentation of evil in the person of Mencken is too subtle for our times. Um, you say it's hard to be scared of subtle, anodyne hints of bad stuff when in real life the bad stuff like white nationalism is so in your face and anything but subtle. Mencken is subtle. And as you say, that's not now how in the age of Trump, the bad shit is presented to us. Or sorry, that's not how in the age of Trump, the bad shit is presented to us. But for me, that's precisely what makes it so chilling. We've all had these years of MAGA stuff. So if we're not used to it, we are at least the very least familiar with it. Trumpism is the devil we know. But the nightmare scenario is what if there is someone who actually believe the bad shit? because Trump has no core beliefs and was smart and competent at insidiously injecting those ideals into our discourse. Someone who could dress up the awfulness by presenting it eloquently and articulately, that would be dangerous and it would require subtlety. That's Mencken in the imagined world of succession. He's not of our world, not cartoonishly buffoonish. He's the devil we don't know. And that's why to me, Mencken is terrifying and why his subtle speech was so chilling, end quote. Great great email to decodingtvgmail.com. I respectfully disagree, but my point is that I just think to me, the depiction of Mencken is too subtle. I'm not asking for, like, he needs to be, like, raging. Like, I get what they're trying to do. Everything that Paul said in his email is exactly what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, but I just think for me, it's I'm, well, I, it doesn't strike fear into my heart based on what I'm seeing from Mencken in the show. That yeah. said, Kim, what do you think? Like, is does Paul's explanation resonate with you?
0: I think the the part of it that resonated with me was the sort of like eloquence and Mm -hmm. that articulation point because I I do think that that is a good point and that I was thinking that in real time watching the episode and watching Mencken's live speech immediately after ATN called the election for him being like, it is – To me, it's very wild that we have this long period of American history where you cannot play a 60-second clip of Trump talking at a podium like that in any, like, coherent, like, sentence break, you know? Like, he's known for this talking style of, like, interrupting himself constantly and going on tangents Mm -hmm. and when people translate his quotes – into like print there, like you have to do so much work to actually get a complete thought out in a lot of, I think Donald Trump's like big speeches. And so that was to me, I was like, okay, I I'm seeing how in this world, Mencken's a much more effective sort of like authoritarian figure because he can deliver messages like that, where he says like, I believe in a democracy where someone arises from the people and he's painting himself as that figure. Right. Right. And we know that the background is like, yeah, you technically did. It's just that the group of people you emerged from is terrifying. And we know that. But like the American public doesn't know that. So that was the only point where I felt a little stir of something from Mencken. And I can see why people would distill that as like, this is a, a potentially more effective marketer of white nationalism that yeah, maybe Trump yeah. himself is, but that's not to say that the people around Trump aren't being very articulate and clear about their intentions and their harms. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that my opinion is, in, is in the minority. I think Mencken as a character works for a lot of like people get yeah. the idea. They're like, Oh, he's evil. We get it. Like they don't, they don't need any anymore. I'm just like, then don't, don't show him giving the speech that's supposed to strike mm-hmm. fear into my heart. Cause like, it uh, didn't for you. It, it yeah. didn't for me. It didn't yeah. for me. Um, but for, for other people, it did because, yeah. it, but it's just like, yeah, yes, I understand, I understand like dog whistles and code words and all this stuff, like, but it's just like from what we've seen in real, like, I'm terrified of stuff that's happening in reality right yeah. now, you know? And so yeah. for the show that, for the show to be so subtle, I feel like, um, and I know. still,
0: I still agree that Ravenhead did that for me.
1: Yes, absolutely. In
0: a way that Mencken did it. He
1: is perfect. Yeah. He's, per- yeah. it's like, wow, that is a perfect, like, you know, I feel Waste uneasy. Exactly. A hundred percent. Like, yeah. Pitch, pitch perfect. Yeah. So, um, but I guess they wanted to go a little more subtle with thinking, and I can't fault them for that. Um, I just worry it's a little too subtle for, for people to really get the message. We'll see though. Yeah. Um, last email I wanted to mention. Um, and this one comes in from Kurt. So Kurt uh, wrote this in before episode nine premiered. Uh, and he wrote it to decodingtv at gmail.com. Uh as we close in on the finale I predict that the show will time jump in either the the, the final episode partly through the episode or fully to show a collapse in the Roy's family fortunes I'm guessing maybe a few months to the year with maybe baby Shiv on screen Uh a lot of commenters are bashing episode eight's over, overvaluation of the calling of Wisconsin and the election by ATN saying it's not that important but uh, the point, I think, will be abundantly clear as the Roy's fully hitched on to Mencken during the episode instead of saying someone in the middle. This made them less sympathetic to the audience and also made them vulnerable business-wise. Something will reverse the election. Jimenez will end up being president. Uh, note that they ca- they first cast the role for this episode. I think it's the first time we saw him. This seems important to me because otherwise they could have just left Nate as the person they talked to. Also note the somewhat standard Ken pushes too far on the phone scene in episode eight. Jimenez will be pissed at the Roy's. Uh, as the call was made by Tom, who will either overtly say he was directed to do so, or everyone will know. ATN legitimized the Wisconsin call, making everything more difficult. Shades of the real world 2020. You can imagine some shenanigans being done by the current president, who's obviously Republican as well. Mattson will publicize his numbers, as Shiv is prepping him to do. It will bump his stock down. There will be a recovery. The presidency call being made wrongly will devastate ATN and Waystar's stock. Matson will be able to buy Waystar in a hostile takeover. He'll fire the Roy Boys unceremoniously. Jimenez will do nothing to stop the deal via regulation or any other mechanism, considering ATN a danger to the country. Shiv will end up as a CEO. The Roy Boys' wealth will be greatly diminished. Not sure about Connor, but maybe he's gonna look pretty bad to Willa after everything, like calling for an insurrection. Ken will blame Rome for pushing so hard for the call. Rome is already broken, so dot dot dot. Happy endings. Not for these people. I predict Shiv will be alone at the end in the C suite in the closing shot. Logan's terrible raising the kids will cause them to end up separate and alone after everything. End quote. That's Kurt from Downington, Pennsylvania. Uh, just a really specific, vivid prediction of the final episode, Kim. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. And I, I guess I wanted to read that up because that's, those are some really specific predictions. And I don't believe Kurt knows what will actually happen because very few people on this planet have seen the final episode. Um but I wanted to put that out there. there you know, I, I talked to David Cho as well, who does our bonus episodes, and he f- seems to think that there might be a time jump as well. Uh, I, I am feeling like it's possible there might be a time jump in the last episode. But Kim, you know, I don't know if you have any thoughts on anything that might happen in the last episode, whether there'll be a time jump. You know, uh, Just any wild guesses.
0: I think it's possible. I just don't know how I'm going to feel about it. Like I, I feel like a time jump is a risky thing for me. In terms of if that's going to feel too much like uh, like a hokey epilogue versus mm-hmm. a rounding out of this, like M- might really feel a little
1: a- bit too much like a, a another prestige HBO show that does a lot of time jumps. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. House oh, of Dragon. House the Dragon. <laughs> See, I was
0: I was thinking of The Leftovers. That's why I just like buffered <laughs> for a second when you said that because I was thinking like the, I do love The Leftovers finale mm-hmm. and I.
1: Which does which does we'll, we'll I, just I, say it, I was like
0: spoiler. Alert.
1: We'll just say it has a time. We'll just say it has a time jump. That, that episode has a time jump.
0: So. Has a time jump. Um, but I, it's a tough. That is a tough thing to do. I think, and I don't know. After this episode, I really, I'm kind of just hoping that they roll right into the next day again. But there's like a huge black spot in my mind when I try to think about how they would how they would satisfyingly wrap this up staying within this tight time right frame. without
1: without a time jump yeah because yeah. i agree that there is the danger of hokiness with the time jump but i would agree that it will it will be difficult for the episode to feel satisfying without some kind of time jump because yeah. there are so many open threads as you say um the bi- you know the big ones being uh what what is going to go on with the election Shift's pregnancy. Um, shift's pregnancy. Will the election kill the deal? Like, yeah. will the winner of the election kill the deal? Um, those are all things that typically take months, if not years, to resolve, right? Like, if, yeah. if, a, if an acquisition like this happens and the, you know, the DOJ wants to get involved, that takes like months to resolve. So, um, we're either going to have a time jump. Or we're not going to get any real meaningful resolution to those things, right? Or, or like fairly uncertain resolution. Like, Mencken will say, you know, I'm going to kill the deal, and then we don't know if he actually does. Like, that's a possibility that might happen. Um, but I actually think a time jump would be narratively quite useful. uh, They could pull it off. Dramaturgically, would make sense. You know, like (laughs) I I think, I think I would be okay with the time jump in this case because they've done such a good job, Kim. Yeah, you're right of doing all the episodes like this entire season so far has taken place in the course of basically maybe like two weeks total. Right. Yeah. Tops. That's really interesting to watch. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's like, Hey, you've, you've earned a time jump guys, you know, like if you no, true, fair,
0: fair. And, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't not have faith (laughs) because (laughs) so far the succession team has, has come through. So I'm, I'm just, I'm very open I'm trying to be very open-minded and looking forward to it. And by that, like I'm not making firm predictions for myself because I'm trying not to have any expectations and then meet, see, see where we're at.
1: I will share another couple of the quick thoughts on the finale, which is happening next week. Um, First of all, it's highly likely that Kim Renfro and I will not receive the finale in advance Yeah, uh, because HBO sometimes doesn't provide finales in advance. If that is the case, our current plan is to broadcast live, the night of the finale at youtube.com/slash/decodingtv. So, if you are watching the finale live and you're like, I need to hear people talk about this, a great place to do that is to subscribe to youtube.com/slash/decodingtv, and you will get a notification if you sign up for them as to when we go live. Uh, it should be a big party. Uh, hopefully, David Cho will be able to be there as well, and we'll just react to it live. We will also have an additional episode after that, uh, taking in people's reactions, thoughts. Like we've done a bonus episode for the ends of most. TV shows these days, so you could plan to uh, you can expect that as well in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but that's the plan. youtubecom tv Check it out uh, and hear our reaction live. Of course, if they send us the episode in advance, we will probably just record it in advance like usual. But we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Should be fun. Yeah, it, it, let's put it this way: if you're a decodingtv.com subscriber at, at at like eight o'clock that night, you know you'll either have the episode already in your feed. Yeah, or we'll be going live recording the episode. One, one or the other. Um, the other thing is, you know, I, I am curious. Like, putting aside predictions, like, is there anything you want to have, you want to see, or want to have happen in the final episode? To me, episode nine really made it feel like, oh, we're we're kind of closing the door on a bunch of plot lines. Like, mm. like I don't see the Kendall manslaughter thing being resolved in any meaningful way in one episode of the show like um i I don't think that's going to happen anymore so i've kind of i kind of had to say goodbye to that idea as a plot line this episode
0: yeah Um, i think not explicitly maybe emotionally maybe thematically it still comes around somehow for ken yeah maybe whatever finally happens like whatever his closing moments or yeah or arc is on the show might thematically the link cl- back the- to it but it seems like we're not getting like oh my god podcast just dropped that says Kendall killed a waiter
1: like that that'll be the last shot of the season or the series is uh new podcast new true crime podcast just dropped uh it's about Kendall and the waiter and like that's and then it's like a horror movie ending with a villain coming back one last time you know like yeah. that'll be the final shot of the What show? if
0: they do like one of those like sports movies like Nine months later, a podcast was released accusing Kendall Roy of
1: manslaughter. <laughs> Kendall Roy died three minutes after the end of this episode. Via um, uh, so so, are there any plot lines you want to see resolved, Kim? Because I feel like most of them have already been.
0: You know the hmm. ones that are
1: that are going to be resolved next week are like the obvious ones, you know. But I feel like the Connor Willa storyline has been like,
0: yeah, I she just like.
1: That's in a decent place. Like, you know, I feel the relatively relative closure on that. Roman and Jerry, I feel relative closure on that. Obviously, Logan. Um, and then the, the remaining pieces are like, what's going to happen with Gojo, the deal, the election? Who's going to be CEO? Like, the, those are the remaining things. And I, I think we will get those answers. Yeah. Anything beyond those things that you're like, oh, I wish we'd gotten more resolution on.
0: on no, this. because I got I got Carrie. <laughs> I got Carrie in this episode. I got all of Logan's women having a moment yes. in this episode, and I was like, yes. All right, if that is the final thing we see from all them, great so yeah i I think I agree with you that that it does kind of seem like we have finally swirled our way down to the final yeah, the final the outstanding plot yeah. lines uh
1: well, folks, if you're listening to this right now and it's before the finale has aired. Uh, you still have time to get in your predictions at decodingtvhgmail It's it's less impressive because by the time we record next week, we'll already have seen it. So I'll be reading your prediction after people already know what the truth is. But hey, I'm still open to it. If you have a prediction for next week, decodingtvhgmail and if you nail it, uh, I will pay homage to you on the on the episode. So we're, we're um, capable
0: of retroactive, yes, I- backdating, yeah, backdating back our. <laughs>
1: um. So yeah. Anyway, uh, those are some thoughts and some follow-ups from last week's episode of the show. Before I move on, I want to say that this episode of Decoding TV is brought to you by the McDonald's app. Kim Ren from my newest life hack, the McDonald's app. I order in the app, pick my favorite location, I select curbside or counter, head to the McDonald's, I can grab my food faster. They prep it while I'm on the way. It's like the VIP experience you never knew you needed And I think that would have been really useful for characters in this episode of (laughs) of Succession because I don't know if you heard, but there was gridlock everywhere, uh, largely because of protests caused by ATN. Uh, But, you know, even the people who cause the very things that are preventing them from get to lunch, they still need to get their food fast, right? Uh, If you want McDonald's for lunch, you got somewhere to be, you don't have time to wait in line order ahead in the McDonald's app, pick your location, select curbside or counter. McDonald's will get it all ready while you're on your way. So it's hot and fresh and you can pick up your food faster at the counter or the curbside when you get there. It's a really great way to skip the line. And also using the app is a pleasure. I use the McDonald's app all the time. It's a lot of fun. It's really well-designed. And best of all, I get my food in a speedy fashion. So I'd strongly recommend that you order ahead in the app to save time. Prep while you're on the way excludes drive through At Participate at McDonald's. Copyright 2023 McDonald's. Thanks to McDonald's for sponsoring this episode of Decoding TV. All right, Kim. Let's talk about Season 4, Episode 9, Church and State. As usual, overall thoughts on the episode. What did you think of this one?
0: I liked this more than last week's episode, I think. For me, I, it was more... This really landed more emotionally with me and I was like internally fist pumping through some of the speeches or comments that people were giving about Logan. Like it really felt like a very cathartic and also painful excision of everything that's been happening Mm -hmm. so far. So I thought writing was top notch. Acting was through the roof. Just great. I was really I, I didn't know what to expect after that election episode, especially as we kind of address that, like, I think someone had asked Jesse Armstrong, like, what do you think is going to shock fans the most? And he was sort of like, "Mm, I I think episode eight. And then we discussed last week how like that I was sort of like, oh, that wasn't particularly shocking to me or i wasn't like on the edge of my seat like i was thinking i would be whereas in this episode i was very i felt a lot more tension of like Mm -hmm. i genuinely don't know how disastrous this is about to become in a way where last week i was like i kind of know how disastrous is about to come and it just feels bad watching it happen type of vibe i don't know what about you
1: um well first of all that clip has gone on come under intense scrutiny
0: Oh, it has. Um, so
1: so this is a, a red carpet clip with Jesse Armstrong where somebody says, hey, are there any, you know, any episodes that you think will be shocked by it's something along those lines? And then Jesse Armstrong kind of leans his head back and he says, hmm, I don't know, um, episode eight, you know, he kind of says it inquisitively. And a lot of people have started speculating. Maybe he was just pulling some shit out of his ass. To to avoid saying episode three, like maybe oh, he didn't. Yeah. Maybe he was just like he was just like in his, in his mind. He's like, don't say episode three, don't say episode three, don't say episode three. You know, like <laughs> maybe you like I don't know uh, episode eight. Like he just didn't. He didn't really have a serious. So thing, valid. You know? Yeah. yeah. So and I, I,
0: I, I think that that might have been. I was thinking about that after after last week, where I was like that. I think that that was a case where I I latched onto something and overhyped it in my own mind. So yeah, full 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 admission. Well, it's not it's not your that, fault.
1: It, I think I think he just was. Yeah, just re- randomly saying a number that wasn't three,
0: and it was to, a to very people, yeah, it, it was you you a know, very it was, great and like
1: yeah, but it, uh, climactic but
0: think, episode.
1: But yeah. I think you and I agree it did not top three. It did yeah. not top three as an episode. So no. it's like in terms just of trying,
0: shock, shock yeah, factor. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, um, I thought this episode was was very strong. Um, it was interesting the things that the episode chose to resolve. Like mm. it, it really feels like we're tying a lot of things up. So we got uh, a lot of long running mysteries were were answered. Who is Sally Ann? Who is Rose? Like what happened to Rose? And so on and so forth. Um, those were all kind of like tied up this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were probably seeing you in for the last time this episode. It really feels like we're we're closing in on things. Um, so I, I would say overall, I, I thought this was a s- solid strong episode dot 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 that also left me wondering how are they going to tie up all the stuff that's remaining in one episode i i really thought like some of these other plot lines were going to move along a little bit more this episode and i don't mm. think they did that much um so we're really going to get resolution next week for a, a lot of these things i think yeah, but, yeah I, for me ahead, it
0: wasn't it wasn't even like i wasn't even too focused on plot lines because i think i had that sense as i was watching it that like oh we're closing. We're closing doors here, and like I, w- I was feeling that. And so, me more when I was like looking towards the finale next week, I was like, f- emotionally and thematically, I'm just uncertain now of where they're trying to land this yeah. boat because we are still in the siblings. Yes, like, deal making. Like, yeah, who's gonna between, who's yeah. gonna be
1: in charge? It's it's just like wow. Like I would have thought we would have concluded that by now. And then like next episode is like the denouement or the epilogue or whatever but it's like right you know. or like
0: i thought that they were concluding it a little bit through all of the emotional stuff that the siblings were dealing with and then immediately after the the eulogies got delivered when hugo tells Kendall about shiv it, we snapped right back into like backstabbing territory and i was like okay so like we still need to resolve these right. three relationships like they yeah. still are not stable and so i'm just now kind of like yeah on tender hooks to see what it is that the show's trying to say about those relationships and where they are ultimately going to end.
1: I will say one of my favorite things about this episode didn't happen in the episode, or it kind of happened outside of the episode. I want to start by talking about what happens in the episode, which begins the morning after election day and tensions are already rising in America as confusion uh, reigns over Mencken's declared victory. You see this wonderful sequence where all the characters are getting ready for the funeral um, Kendall is edgy and in shock and freaks out about a call that Rava makes, uh, wanting to take the kids out of the city before, uh, he decides that he's going to try to challenge her for custody. Shiv seems ready to play nice with her brothers, uh, despite their treacherous behavior the night before. She tells them she's pregnant in the limo, taking them to Logan Roy's church funeral, but Roman is high on his own supply and looking at his peak, uh, you know Logan impression as he practices his eulogy and gets ready for the funeral, and logan Robin is practicing the funeral speech, and immediately I got very excited because mm. it shows him giving the speech, and you know dramatically when a show or a movie shows someone rehearsing something, when it actually happens, it will almost definitely be different than yeah. how it plays out in the rehearsal. yeah, and not only that, Kim. But in the season four, episode nine preview on HBO, they actually show Roman practicing the speech. Here's a clip from that preview. A great man indeed. See, should he cry? Can he die? See Roman the showman light up the sky? I am
0: the man. I am the man.
1: Now I saw a lot of chatter around this clip, Kim. People were like, "Oh my God, Roman's gonna annihilate everyone! Roman's gonna dominate!" You know, it's like this is Roman's Joker moment. You know, I saw a lot of those <laughs> those uh, descriptions of that clip, and that's very entertaining to contemplate because obviously that's not how that plays out, right? Yeah. Um, so my
0: favorite yeah. part of his practice was like the way that he was waffling between the actual memorized talking points or beats or like turns of phrase. And then like him just using the tone of voice that he was going to say, but then talking kind of mad about it. he goes like, Duh-duh-duh. tiny voice, losing it a little. Like he like was <laughs> practicing that his mm-hmm. voice would go more yes. high pitched and he would get emotional. Yes. And then the fact that he broke down the way that he did. And then it's like, Oh, your whole speech was tiny voice, losing it a little. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I also appreciate that you caught that because I was I had the same thought where I was like, well, obviously, I'm not going to hear him say these words again in front of everyone. So it's going to happen.
1: Right. Or 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 he's going to say it in a different way or something. Right. Because, yeah, yeah it's, he's going to go off
0: script or. Yeah.
1: But I, I love my anticipation level, like Rose, when I when you see a character practicing a thing. It's like a heist movie. It's like, wh- yeah. like here's how the heist is going to go. Well, it's not going to go that way. Spoiler alert, it's not going to go that way, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I love seeing that happen. Yeah. It reminded me, by the way, I think there's a speech, if you Google it, called um, How to Sound Smart in Your TED Talk. <laughs> and it's basically a person that's like... The
0: intonations. You know, you know
1: like, yeah. Like he'll, he's like, I start with a relatable story that shares with you a little bit about me and maybe will make you laugh concerned sound now then (laughs) ask a a question unrelated fact you know and it's like kind of like deconstructing what it's like it's it's very uh it's very what roman was doing exactly Um, but i want to take us on a tangent before we continue in this um in this episode kim which is that i've seen a lot of chatter online about how like oh episode eight showed that the kids were like actually really terrible people and you were rooting for awful people this whole time and it's like I don't know. Like, I, I saw a lot of discussion around this online, and I, I feel like you and I have a pre are pretty clear eyed about who these people we're talking about are. Like on the show, like, yes, you may like root for them because you root for Walter White or Tony Soprano, but I think we have always known that these are terrible people, right? Like, yeah, and and um and if they fail horribly, that is a very deserved outcome for them. Yes. Um. But I I I, I did find it interesting the reaction people were like, oh, episode eight is like the show reminding you that these are terrible people. And it's like, ah, they've always been terrible. Like there's nothing about episode eight that stuck out to me other than Romans just pure skill at yeah. running over people. But I got wanted to check with you about that. Like, did you feel like episode eight was a departure in any way?
0: No, I felt like it was a furthering of us watching people who could choose to to become better people at any point in their lives yeah. or in this story and right. we're wa- we're watching them fail to make that decision repeatedly so like yeah. root- for me rooting for them it sometimes means rooting for them to actually do the right thing for a change or to like actually help themselves for a change which usually means not doing the cruel like debased thing um but no i've never been under any impression that any of these characters are like decent humans who right. i'm happy to see succeed in screwing other people over
1: yeah it's it, it's a it's a sort of topic that we have returned back to again and again this season about like how how to watch the show how are people watching the show yeah and you, you know when when i brought it up kim I, initially i said oh there's no wrong way to watch the show like if you're rooting for them great if you're not if you want them to die or horrible things happen great um but you know after what i've seen this season kim uh i've decided there is a wrong way to watch the show <laughs> <laughs> and it's how a lot of people are watching the show apparently <laughs> which is which is um you know uh uh there there is a lot of like the kind of old school decoding tv behavior going on around the show of like who's who's shiv's real baby daddy and all this stuff and <laughs> It's sure. it's been really weird the fandom around succession is just really weird, I have to say. It's been one of the weirder fandoms. Like with House of the Dragon or whatever, it's like, okay, I, I don't agree with a lot of that stuff, but I can understand a sure. lot of it. But with Succession, it's like this is a very different show than like the pleasures of succession are very different than House of the Dragon. Anyway. All right. No,
0: no, I agree. I agree.
1: Minor tangent. Anyway, let's (laughs) move on. Okay. So any other thoughts before we get to the funeral, any thoughts on on the stuff that happened with Kendall and Shiv and all that stuff?
0: Pre-funeral, the Jess scene was so extra painful to me because like Jess has, we've talked a little bit about how like wanting, wanting something good for her. I would say if you're trying to, if you're trying to root for someone in this series, like root for the Jesses and the Ravas of this universe, um, but the fact that like Jess tried to do right by Kendall by like putting a time on his calendar to like be able to have this conversation with him because she didn't want to surprise him at this funeral like the fact that like he forces that situation to be the most painful abandonment of himself like like I think that he's clearly lashing out because he's feeling abandoned right and left right yes, like absolutely fe- he's he he thinks he knows that Rava is taking his children away from him, which I think she has every right to do at this point, and his behavior towards them in this season has been awful and neglectful and instead of like taking a beat to try to rectify that like hey maybe give Tom a call and say back off on the ATN stuff like there are so many things he could do to get himself out of the spiral that he's in and instead that Jess scene was like this really intense furthering of him into like okay everyone's abandoning me and I'm gonna be pissed about it all day and like that just carries through. Yeah, Like that's like his like undercurrent I think for the rest of the episode of like I'm going to lean into being alone because that's what Logan did. And I think that's the wrong message from your uncle's very powerful eulogy, Kendall. All
1: right. Or the wrong let's takeaway, talk, I should say. Let, let's talk about this for a little bit. Let's talk yeah. about the Jess scene because yeah. I agree with you. Huge fan of Jess. Obviously rooting for that character to succeed she made the classic mistake and I understand why she made it just, you know, just Kendall's assistant because she put a one-on-one on Kendall's calendar with no explanation as to what it was. Uh, and, and that is a plan. Very, that is what a to very, tell him. Oh yeah. Apparently that is yeah. a very reasonable thing for her to do because she manages Kendall's calendar. So it's like, she can tell Kendall, Hey, today at 9am, you have a meeting with me or whatever. Right. And so of course, she would not expect that Kendall would look at his calendar because my guess is Kendall he almost never, never looks at his calendar, right? Cause he expects just to manage it for him. So, okay. That is, that is an error on her part, but it's a very forgivable one because she can rightfully expect that she manages her, his calendar. All right. So that's part one, part two. So then he says like, well, now I'm thinking all kinds of things. So like, why don't you just tell me? And then later he like blames her for telling him because he's a piece of shit and like, he's bad, you know, so agreed to there. But then, like, there's the explanation of what she says to him, which is yeah. uh, not great, I have to say. Um, and yeah, maybe she was gonna take a few days to like think up what she was gonna say. But like, she basically just like, hey, it's time for me to move on because I, I have to move on. Um, that's not a great. That's not a great thing to do. Here, here's some just career advice from from David Chen, who's worked in the corporate world. Um, ideally, it, so it, it is possible that no matter what Jess said, Kendall would have reacted terribly. Like, I think yeah. that's highly likely. So yeah. there, there's no way she could have prepared.
0: Whatever the reason, yeah. her leaving would have been enough to, a- to set him off. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So I'm not saying like she had a huge chance of success or anything like that. Right. But, uh, but she could have done better than what she did. Uh, and so like some acceptable answers are um, uh, like you're moving on to like an opportunity that you can't say no to uh you have like an extremely compelling personal reason to move on you know Mm -hmm. um and i understand why she didn't say those maybe she's a private person or whatever but like i'm saying in general those things help this process go smoother um so it could have been played a little bit better from a pure strategic standpoint if jess was a machiavellian operator which she is is probably not Uh, but i'm just i'm just saying uh I, I felt for her because I'm like, oh, she didn't really play this exactly the best way. Yeah. And ideally in a way that appealed to Kendall's ego, you know, like she she started, she was like, hey, you've always supported me when I try to do my own opportunities. And so this is what I'm doing. And it's like, well, that was the start of a good thing, but like not quite the follow through. So, anyway. yeah,
0: it really, f- it felt to me like she wanted to say what Rava had said to him, which is you're leading a racist news organization. And I'm a woman of color and I cannot abide by like, by continuing to have a relationship with you professional or not, it endorses that in some manner or way. Right. And I think that she just did not want to say that out loud to him and also did not want to come up, like seemingly didn't want to like say a specific other reason. And yeah, it, that strategically, I, I agree. Though, where I was like, she didn't in a in a million years think that that man would open his calendar on the day of his dad's funeral. Right? Like,
1: right. why? Yeah. He, and no and reason. the
0: fact that he, the only reason why he did was because he was trying to get an emergency custody lawyer meeting to rip his children away from their mothers. Yeah. So, like, oh, oh. Also, just a side note, I love while I'm thinking of it, I love the jacket they put on Kendall in this episode. Mm. This costuming design team again. <laughs> that like perfect gray brown color. And then when Mm -hmm. he pops up the collar, there's like a stripe of brown behind it. It was just so, it was such an added physicality to Kendall in this episode that I loved. And it really, in that scene, like standing in New York on a chilly day or whatever. Oh yeah. I just, I loved that scene. And I loved that. Again, that felt like a door closing on Jess for us. Right. I'm like, okay, I don't expect to necessarily see Jess again in the finale.
1: Yeah. Uh, the Rava stuff is upsetting. You can imagine it's very inconvenient and upsetting to piss someone like Kendall off. And he's trying, he has a lot of resources and he's trying to take away your children. Um, (sighs) and he will do it and the children will be miserable and unsafe and it will all be to appease Kendall's ego. You know, that's going into a bad place and it made me feel bad. So, yeah. Uh, all right. They show up at the funeral. There's some conversation before the funerals about, you know, who's going to speak and so on. Uh, but at the funeral, all the biggest power players in Logan's sphere are looking great, acting awful. Uh, The, the, the big thing that happened is we got to meet Sally Ann, which is really a huge deal. She's a character that's been referred to multiple times during the course of the show. Uh, There's a part of the show where I think it's Carl and Frank are talking uh, and asking like, is this the worst it's ever been? And then they, Mm. they list off a bunch of terrible events that have happened in Waystar's history. like, the Tiananmen accommodations, the black cloud after Sally Ann, you know, and it's like, who, who, what happened after Sally Ann? Um, and I actually don't know how I feel about the fact that Sally Ann is in the episode because like for me, we never knew if Sally Ann was still alive. Like it was it was a real thing where it's like she has her own mythology, and then when you see her, it's like, oh, it's just a human. It's just like someone who Logan had an affair with. But it was Uh, fun to see Logan's ex-wife kind of like introduce them all and them all sit together and I think one of the points one of the things I really appreciate about this episode is one of the points it's making I think is that in death people can put aside their differences and actually show compassion for each other Mm. like there's a lot of moments of compassion that people showed for each other uh, and and that because of it's because of Logan's death that like brought these people together you know I think Marsha like Holds Carrie's hand at one point, if I recall correctly. And it's just like they can kind of put aside their differences for a moment because of the gravity of the situation. Yeah. Uh, the this the Roy sibling, like they've just unearthed that Shiv betrayed them the night before. And they're still, you know, they can still kind of hang out and show compassion for each other. And uh and I appreciate that that that's what one of the things like when a major event like happens like this, that brings people together, it's still possible to show compassion, even despite your differences. Yeah. Um, so that's what I really I like liked.
0: I liked the line from Shiv where she says like, she's talking to Mattson and it's about a business thing, but she, the way that she delivers it where she's like, my dad just died. I can do fucking anything. And it's like, that feeling is very real of like, uh, entering that sort of like surreal period after a death that's affected you where like, Everything, like the the perspective of everything else shifts, right? And like, sometimes you really feel like, oh, nothing matters, not in a nihilistic Roman Roy way, but in a like, I can, I can say the thing that I might not have said before a little easier now, because like, that doesn't feel as scary or sad or upsetting to me as like this death. And so I think like those people being able to come together is also partially like, everything's in this surreal space, we might as well sit all of logan's wives and mistresses together and fucking laugh about it like right right. you know fuck it like the rules of decorum kind of go out the window a little bit um if you're in that grieving space i think
1: totally totally let's talk about the four speeches that we see during the course of the episode greg is supposed to stop ewan from doing anything weird but ewan gets up uh, and he actually gives a speech and everyone's really upset that he's giving a speech but then Ewan delivers a kind of a barn burner, you know, like a oh. really good speech that's like well balanced, very mm-hmm. realistic. I actually think does honor to Logan and his legacy, you know, like mm-hmm. is realistic about Logan's legacy. I thought Ewan's speech was great. Any thoughts on on the Ewan speech, Kim?
0: I that was as I was watching it, I was like, I can't wait to rewatch this. I was like, so many sentences that he was saying were just like landing so well. The way that he, it again felt almost like it's a structure that you recognize of like opening statement, hyper specific childhood story, connect it to the bigger picture, you know, Mm -hmm. but like it was, it was very, very effectively written. I, I felt I, I, That was one of my little like internal fist pumping moments because I was like, oh, he's he's saying the stuff out loud that no one wants to say about Logan and why he acted the way that he acted because of this like awful abuse that he endured um, emotionally and physically. We can now say for certain based on like what Ewan was describing. And I really loved seeing the kids have to internalize that and like actually it like it, it was like a giant therapy session almost but yeah. like happening in the most dramatic and live streamed way possible um and i yeah i i couldn't stop like trying to jot down all of the when he said he f- he fed uh he fed a certain kind of meagerness in a man mm. And I was like, oh, like, just so many really incredible gut punches that I think, like, got at the heart of this toxic, this toxic life that Logan led and the the global impacts of that, but certainly, like, all of the relationship impacts that that had that we're still seeing the fallout from, right? Like, Shiv's pregnant with a, another generation of a Roy kid, potentially, and we're already seeing the type of relationship that she's having with Tom. so. Yeah, I thought it was incredible. I can't wait to rewatch it again. It was
1: it was great. It was great. Uh we also find out about what happened with Rose. Right. The topic of Rose came up a few seasons ago, um, when I think it was in season two when Rhea was about to take over. Yeah. Rhea was about to take over. Yeah. And uh Kendall said, Hey, you should give a toast to Rose. He really likes that. And in fact, Logan hates that. He's very upset by it. And we never knew what happened to Rose, who is their sister who passed away. Um and Kendall was like setting Rhea up to embarrass herself, basically. Uh in the eulogy, Ewan reveals that Logan was sent away for school where he contracted polio and returned back home. Rose also got polio, but unlike Logan, she did not survive the disease. Uh Logan and apparently his aunt and uncle blamed him, blamed himself, Logan, for the death, um, though he was just a child at the time. So we we have some resolution there. And I was like, oh, what? that's a that's a pretty good way of tying up that that open end. You know, I didn't I didn't need to know what happened to Rose, but If you're going to reveal it, this is a really powerful, effective way to do it. So,
0: It was a really effective way to do it. And I really appreciated when, again, I I just quoted that like meagerness in men, but I wrote down the rest of it too. Ewan says, quote, perhaps he had to because he, meaning Logan, had a meagerness about him. And maybe I do about me too. I don't know. I try. I try. I don't know when, but at some point he decided to not try anymore. And that also, like, that's Kendall to me, right? Like, Mm. Kendall has been trying since episode one to somehow transcend his father, to somehow transcend that meagerness that Logan offers to him, that cruelty that, like, Logan was even, like, Logan hit one of Kendall's own kids at some point, right? Like, the physical abuse was already, as Kendall said yesterday, like, sometimes, what did he say? Sometimes maybe the poison seeps through.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, it made it, it made it extra painful when for the rest of the episode, we see Kendall also seem to make that decision to not try anymore to reach for that goodness. And instead he's just, as, as the the clip that you played at the start of the episode, he has, fu- he's like fully adopting Logan's method yeah. in the, in the world. And yeah. it's painful.
1: Well, we see Ewan's speech hit Roman particularly hard, and he goes up to speak, and there's a lot of silence as he's trying to put the note cards down, and then he basically just collapses and is unable to speak. Uh, and this is the thing. This is the way it played out differently than than mm. what we thought it would. Is I, I think the original plan was for him to just just him to speak, and then none of the other siblings, but then yeah. Kendall gets up and Shiv gets up um, to speak instead. Roman has been acting completely unaffected by Logan's death for the last, you know, five episodes. And I think what's great about this breakdown is it shows us that number one, uh, sometimes that happens to people. They bottle mm. it all up inside. They think it doesn't affect them. And then he just hits them all at once, which I think is something Roman said might happen to him, uh, yeah. but it just hits them all at once. And it completely destroys them. And we saw that happen this episode. And I thought, Karen Culkin did a great job with the acting, um brutal performance. But I, then yeah. at the end of the, at the end of the day, it reminds us that we're just watching uh a kid miss his dad. He's very childlike, you know, uh in on the on the the platform and and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Roman's breakdown in this episode?
0: Uh I cried along with him. That it got me again because it was just it was a very very believable like the 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 posturing that roman has been doing for the last five days was also very believable and like even we discussed in the episode where logan died itself how he he was the one kid who had that like well we don't know don't say that he's dead if we don't actually know like he immediately went into like Schrödinger's box territory of like until i know for a fact that my dad's dead i'm not going to start uh processing the fact that he's dead and then bringing that all the way back with him like looking at the casket box and then being like, is, is he in there? Like, like yeah. he literally couldn't, he couldn't wrap his mind around the idea that his dad's body might actually be sitting right there. And again, this sense that like, until I see it, if I haven't seen it, then like, it's not yeah. quite real yet. Like that. Didn't, uh, I, yeah. Kieran Culkin going through that, watching the siblings try to react and like, Comfort him, also, I thought Connor was great in this episode as like a very obvious now father figure for his siblings. like he mm. was very much a like studying presence um for them all throughout and like the i I really felt it felt very real that you and speech was so effective and, as you said, very balanced and honestly like like truthful, like he was really speaking from his heart and from decades of reflection on the abuse that he endured, the abuse that Logan endured, and, like, the effect that that had, right? And, like, that came out very clearly. Whereas Roman's prepared talk was obviously just a bunch of – like, it was just all mostly BS, or it was words that sounded good that Roman at the time thought he could easily say with confidence. And by the time that he heard those words from his uncle, I think that he knew that he could no longer say any of that stuff and mean it, and he just fell apart. And so the fact that Kendall is the one who – can step up and speak from the heart and say things and seemingly mean it but the thing that he was saying was like validating all of the bruteness in Logan whereas you could tell that Roman just couldn't bring I I think in that moment Roman was like collapsing in on all the pain of his relationship with his dad and the fact that his dad was dead now and he just couldn't bring himself to try to put Logan up on a pedestal one more time like he just couldn't. I understood that. And then it's like again by the end of the episode, now it's like now he's in a free fall, right? Mm -hmm. Like the way that Kendall was for the last three episodes.
1: Interesting. I was with you until that last moment about putting putting his his dad up on a pedestal again. I I think it's just more like for me, it was just more he he's dealing with this loss in a way that he has not, he has not mourned, he has not grieved adequately. Yeah, you know?
0: That that's fair Um, too. I might be adding too many layers of nuance in there he's just he's also just a sad kid also the fact that in his speech he was specifically going to call out that logan was the middle child and then Mm -hmm. roman is the middle child and it's like i uh like roman last episode we saw how roman could so effectively embody logan and i think that this episode was showing us that that is not actually sustainable for roman
1: Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. yeah interesting uh well Kendall gets up there. He gives a speech as well. It's like fairly standard. Um, and, and yeah, it's about how like Logan was able to make things happen. You know, he was a brute, but he's able to make things happen. And there's value in making things happen. It's kind of, it's kind of a nihilistic approach to things a little bit. It's kind of a might makes right approach to things. Uh, any, any thoughts on Kendall's speech before we talk about Shiv and, and move to the end game of the episode?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it. It did, again, connect me back to Mencken, and I understood why, like, they included that little bit after Logan's speech of Mencken saying, like, you know, you nailed it, or, like, that was perfect, man, or whatever, because Kendall did what Mencken had done the night before, which was, like, effectively take what should be, like, a big disturbance, right, which is, like, everything that Ewan just said, Roman's little failure right there, and instead, like, turn the tide in his favor by speaking from a a, a very like authoritarian voice all Mm -hmm. about like capitalism and like really leaning once again into like the American dream and these systems that we know both in this show and in our real world are deeply flawed, but like (laughs) to say the least
1: at best, (laughs) at best. (laughs) Um,
0: So yeah, it was like when it's like, again, you can effectively market, idea like the ideals of capitalism in a in a fancy televised speech but the reality we know is very different
1: um shiv takes her own turn at a eulogy uh closing mm-hmm. things out in the live stream with a comment on logan's treatment of women uh and you know i think this the speeches reflect the siblings. Very complicated, challenging relationships with Logan, yeah, uh, each in their own way, that I think was was great. Um, Shiv talking about how like when Logan paid attention to you, when he shone his light upon you, it was wonderful, and when he didn't, it could be very, very cold and brutal, and that really resonated a lot. Um, at the end of the day, I still wish Shiv had a few more wins under her belt <laughs> for this you know f- throughout the series, and yeah. maybe she will get the ultimate win. we'll see, but uh, so far it's been rough going for her.
0: Yeah, I like. I liked that Shiv's speech connected back to Ewan's a little bit too. Exactly with that line about the warmth, where he says that like you can, Ewan says you can get a little high, a little mighty when you're warm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is again exactly what we've seen unfold over the last four seasons. Is the way that each of the kids shines a little bit when Logan decides to keep them in his favor, and then as soon as that favor goes away is when <laughs> they all turn to a pile of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ineffective evil mush.
1: There is one last thing I want to say about these speeches, which is it remind. so Roman breaking down and then like Mencken actually makes fun of him afterwards for it, which is really sad. Um, but it reminded me a lot of an episode in the Sopranos when a major mob boss character uh, is at his daughter's wedding and then is arrested, like unceremoniously removed and arrested from his daughter's wedding. Uh, and then starts crying when that happens. He's like a major mob boss character that like, starts crying. And this is looked down upon very heavily by the remaining people, you know, like everyone else. They're like, oh, if he's crying, like who, maybe he's going to break under uh, questioning. Or maybe he's actually really weak because he's crying at his daughter's wedding and being arrested As his you know. and. Uh, and I, it felt like, honestly, s- similar to mob rules at this, mm. uh, at this funeral where, like, I think people looked down on Roman for crying. You know, like, I think uh, it, it was not viewed kindly. And it just goes uh, to show you, you know, toxic masculinity uh, creates a lot of problems in our society, Cameron remember.
0: Yeah. And especially that even, like, the, the camera kind of lingered on Jerry yeah. and Caroline, Roman's mom. Like the fact that the fact that his mom couldn't stand up to try to offer him comfort in that moment either was also really painful. Like mm. the way that everyone was just choosing to let it continue happen. And like I know like his siblings were around him. Also, oh, sibling moment. Kendall Kendall saying, like, my dad and his other three kids, like Connor getting like the ultimate <laughs>
1: inclusion mm-hmm, in mm-hmm.
0: the children at yes. the start of his
1: Validation.
0: Validation. Yeah. Good, good sib moment. But yeah, it's just really, really painful that that was the response to Roman and that even Kendall and Mankin trying to like rib him in the way that he normally would. And even like Roman dishes it out in this episode and can't freaking take it. Like Shiv tells them that she's pregnant, which is like a really heavy, intense thing. And Roman effectively sexually harasses her for 60 seconds and then doesn't say anything else mm-hmm. about it. And then yeah. while she's trying to be like, no, dude, stop, like, come on. And, and then, so then like when Kendall's trying to kind of like rib him or Mencken and he's like, he's very obviously wounded by that and trying to be like, come on guys, like don't, don't do that to me right now. I'm obviously, re-. and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, bro, that's what you do to other people all the time. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Not that it, that doesn't make it okay when people do it to him, but I was just like, yeah, it sucks, man. When people don't take your feelings seriously, <laughs> take a, take people's feelings seriously is my, my message.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't disagree. A few other things happened this episode. Shiv successfully steers Madsen through PR, uh, the PR move of dropping his bad numbers. She also successfully gets Mencken's ear at the uh, funeral reception. The, is it called a reception? The, ex-
0: the extraction team. Yeah, the extraction uh, team. So it's good. Like,
1: yeah, and maybe Shiv is actually going to win this one. Who knows? There, you know, this whole season, This whole season, we've been wondering, what is going on with Shiv's pregnancy? And is she actually doing cocaine and drinking wine? Uh, and that's been an open question this whole season right because we've seen her like maybe she's doing the drugs maybe she's not maybe she's drinking the wine maybe she's not in this episode i feel like she very pointedly drinks alcohol in front of tom did i read that correctly
0: yes um and then i couldn't quite interpret if that meant that she was just trying to be like I don't give a fuck. It's just a sip of champagne. Or if she was trying to imply, I have no intention of keeping this baby anymore. And therefore it doesn't matter if I drink.
1: Right. Or maybe something in between where it's like, I don't give, K- a fr- like this, yeah. this baby is nothing to me. And I, maybe I'll drink a little bit. Maybe I won't Who care. Yeah. You know, like, but yeah. less like I'm actively trying to harm the baby and more like, I'm not going to let this baby impact my life. That's kind of what I, how I interpreted it.
0: Yeah. Or just I wanna make Tom feel extra bad right now, so I'm gonna make him think that I'm
1: A chugging uh, that I'm that I'm not
0: treating this pregnancy with any care whatsoever.
1: Yeah. (sighs) But I like how you described it in the notes, Kim Renfro. You described it as another Tom Shiv pain-off. Yeah. (laughs) Not a face-off, a pain-off. Where they uh, a
0: a shiv off to (laughs) mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they really just needed to twist the knife a little bit more. And also her mom. Like, yeah, let's talk about more knife twisting. That was another moment I loved was Caroline wordlessly like Caroline and Shiv's wordless Mm -hmm. exchange of understanding that she now knows that she's pregnant and they just like skip the saying it out loud part. And Kendall kind of watching it. And I'm like, yeah, bro, this is how women, (laughs) women pick up on things, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially with one another, I think. And especially in any sort of mother daughter relationship. But yeah.
1: Yeah. So continues to be a very unpleasant uncomfortable relationship um maybe uh shiv is going to actually win the game of thrones possibly who knows i don't know um was that a good enough pitch for Mencken? like hey i used to hate you but our audience loves you and therefore you should make me ceo you know or you should accept me as ceo who knows i believe
0: um, I, I would believe that Mankin accept like that Mencken would do it at this point but again back to the our top of the episode discussion at this point, I'm like, I don't know if he's actually going to be inaugurated president or have any sort of like influence in that decision. You right. know? And so I, maybe and getting sh- him on yeah. board wasn't the, the final, you know, piece of the puzzle.
1: I, I share your, I think it was confusion or reaction of like, I, I would have thought all this would be like kind of resolved by this point. Like, all the kind of main machinations of who gets to be on top, but it's like, okay, I think that next episode and the next episode is about dealing with that. But I guess next episode is when it's going to be resolved, you know? And so that's cool. But I, I trust, and we should point out, by the way, the next episode is supposed to be 90 minutes long. So it's going to be the longest succession episode ever. This one was um, like,
0: was, like yeah, one ten. This one was a little was a long, team, right? Yeah.
1: So. yeah. Any other thoughts on this week's episode of succession, Kim Renfro? Any other moment style um, it?
0: I cackled. I think quite literally when I realized that Greg has now brazenly worked his way up to being a like faux pallbearer at Logan's wedding, all the way from that first episode. Like he just really keeps keeps failing up that ladder, or or brazenly and like very boldly just going for every little opportunity that he has, mm-hmm. and it's working out for him for the most part so far
1: and uh and he got to the funeral on a city bike kim renfro so you know <laughs> i
0: also love that
1: what a long what a what a strange journey it's been for that character he's a he's but, a
0: resourceful yes. Greglet at least yes. another thought too was like tom's you know part of the reason why greg makes it up that ladder is because tom is just working really hard at atn which i was like is this literally the most hours this man has ever worked consecutively on this show like (laughs) he seemed even even earlier in the season i was thinking like when logan comes to atn greg call it's the morning and greg calls tom tom's on his way out of the office to do something like he's not he was never like a there hands-on guy so the Mm -hmm. fact that tom is like aware that his he's now like the face of this decision which i think puts him at risk but he's like choosing to take ownership of it and like somehow thinks that by just like working really hard for the next 24 hours. He's not going to lose his job. And I'm like, buddy, that's not how capitalism works anymore. Like you can't just work really hard for one day. And then like, you're going to be valued as if you weren't just a very expensive nepotism figurehead for the last two and a half years. No, I don't know. Do you have Tom thoughts on this?
1: Yeah. It it does feel like the show is probably going to end with everyone losing everything to some degree, you know, Mm -hmm. like um, Tom losing his job, uh waystar royko falling apart shiv being in charge of the empire but like it's a greatly reduced empire roman and kindle just being out completely um connor is probably the one that's going to come out on top of this is my guess but we'll see we'll see if those conheads incite some revolutions or not um but yeah we saw some unrest in this episode as well and the episode ends with roman getting out into the world storming out onto the streets of manhattan picking fights with protesters uh and it's a really stirring image of him kind of being out there on his own, unable to control his emotions, uh, kind of in this chaos that he and his siblings helped to create—a very powerful closing image. Um, what do you think of that, Kim?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been in protests that are that felt like that in New York City, um, so felt very true to life of how those things can sometimes unfold, um, particularly around things like election days. Um, it felt like it felt like I was like watching like Simba like run into the herd
1: the wildebeest stampede the
0: wild- the wildebeest stampede I was like okay <laughs> like we're this is the version of Lion King we're getting at the end of a mm-hmm. succession is that uh yeah the king's already dead and now his children are self-destructing and I think like I think that Roman probably knew that there was a good likelihood that he could get hurt or shoved around or antagonized when he like decided to to put himself in the middle of that fray and i'm really just like i'm like either the episode's gonna pick up tomorrow and like he's just fine which is probably what's gonna happen or i'm like right it's i that's that's he looked like he
1: he, yeah he looked like he got like fucked up a little bit right like he it seemed
0: like he was probably like bleeding from like that that bow to the eye area can cause can cause a decent cut or a bruise and like uh, i just i i i felt that renewed sense of dread of like someone could die Mm -hmm. right now and then they and then they cut to black and i'm like okay once again is kim renfro's sense of impending death
1: i don't think he's gonna be dead
0: not he's he's gonna gonna be dead off
1: screen so no
0: no, not not like i didn't think that but like is it going to just keep? Are we rolling into the, right. the hours of the morning next episode, and this is going to keep escalating with Roman out there? Presumably, no one know no one knew that he left. So yeah, like, yeah. No one knows where he is. I don't know if he has his phone on him. I don't know.
1: This is your last. Uh, this <laughs> My is last the last chance. time. This is your last time you will ever be able to express any expectations of a future succession episode, Kim. So. After next week, there's no more Succession episodes. So is there any any other expectations for next week's episode you wish to express before we wrap up for today?
0: I feel like I've said this already, but I am worried that Kendall will not survive the final episode for one reason.
1: Whoa. Or okay. another. I don't think so. I don't think no? they're going to kill two main characters in one one season. That's my guess.
0: I cannot get out of my head that little detail that who was well now i can't get it out but now i can't summon the name it was it rupert murdoch no Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, okay i don't know what is what is the detail
0: sorry that one of the
1: (laughs) was it rupert murdoch that did the thing i'm like what are you read
0: my mind david (laughs) chen um no (laughs) Um, that one of the sons of a very prominent businessman whose like reputation was ruined died by suicide shortly thereafter and hes he testified in he somehow was like part of the reason why his father came down or like was taken down mm. um and Kendall again like if the if the waiter thing is not going to come up specifically, which I agree that at this point I do not think it is like i don't I don't fully see the show ending with Kendall in this like successful I am." actually becoming my father mode so I'm like what would change in the final episode where he either moves out of that headspace once again which I guess could just happen through a sibling thing that's been kind of happening off and on or like does all of his decisions culminate in in like final tragedy for him I don't Mm -hmm. know
1: I think there's no way – I don't think there's any way that's going to happen. But, you know, oh, I, I, I could be – oh. sorry. Whatever, whatever just happened over there, that's my reaction to your prediction just now.
0: <laughs> something just fell off my desk. Uh, oh. That is valid. You asked. That is yeah, just yeah, the yeah, final, yeah. That's yeah, the final is... sticking thing in my head is that I still – I have felt this sense of dread that, yes, like came about a little bit with Logan, but I have not been able to shake that like something –
1: Something let me let me walk it back. More awful
0: than emotions are is still potentially going to happen
1: here. Let me walk it back. I think you're right that that's a possible. Like I, I shouldn't say it's not possible. Anything's possible. So like, yeah. Um, it would surprise me. uh you know what? Now that now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that 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 would be a possible ending for one of the kids. I think you 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 meant, right. You meant, yeah, but like. I think each of the children is going to have like a different outcome, right? Like a different sad outcome
0: of their processing of their father and their relationship to him. When I
1: frame it like that, it's like, okay, well, it's possible that one of those could be death actually. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I think like Shiv ruling over ashes, Roman just completely, um, you know, unable to function and catatonic and Kendall, like the thing that's surprising me yeah, is Kendall not resorting back to drugs. Like, it feels like a lot of the Kendall plot lines have been just completely jettisoned. You know, the Kendall I, drugs. I, I think Kendall that he might have been thing.
0: actively drinking and or using drugs for most of the season. It's just that they stopped, they stopped trying to show us if he was attempting to be sober or not but like,
1: yeah, yeah, I could, I could go either way on it. So, yeah. but that's, that, that's my, my more general prediction, right? Is that there, each of us, no one will be successful or if they're successful, they'll be ruled, uh, I'm sorry, ruling over like this ruined husk of yeah. an organization. Um, and they will each kind of have a pretty different outcome based on how their relationship with their father is. Yeah. Um, with Connor, with Connor being ironically, one of the more well-adjusted ones is my guess. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and it was nice when he, when Connor was talking about how like he talked to his dad about uh, cryogenics and that his you know, that, that, that was a thing that his dad talked to him about. It's like, yeah, that would make sense that Logan would talk to Connor and no one else about cryogenics, yeah. you know? So When he said,
0: um, I, I didn't, I think dad didn't want to be in the ground, mm, Yeah, he said. And I was nice like, moment. yeah, that is, that is a conversation that like a parent has with their adult kids sometimes once they reach yeah. a certain age. Nice yeah. moment.
1: Yeah. All right. Well next week we'll probably be broadcasting live at youtube.com slash decoding tv so be sure to subscribe you can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com email us at decoding at gmail.com support the podcast by becoming a paid subscriber at decoding tv.com and find us on tiktok instagram youtube uh and twitter at decoding tv kim renfro let's wrap up with our favorite quotes of the week favorite quote from this episode
0: mine i'm yeah. going first okay mine's not really a funny one this week <laughs> But my favorite line of the episode, by far, was quote He couldn't fit a whole woman in his head," which is what Shiv says during her eulogy, and that I have never heard misogyny framed that way. And I thought it was so it it just landed so well with me because I know men like that, and I think that that's a very way a very good way to describe the way that some men seem unable to think of women as entire complex people in the way that they easily do with other. Men, so kudos to—I'm assuming Jesse Armstrong who wrote that because he's a credited writer. But if anyone else was the one who chucked that in, beautiful, beautiful descriptor. I'm gonna—I'm gonna use that going forward. He just can't fit a whole woman in his head.
1: I like my my favorite line is when they're talking about uh, Connors wants to give a speech and apparently it's extremely long, and they're saying you can't do this. And Willa says it's formally inventive. That's one of the <laughs> things we like about it. End quote. <laughs> Uh, that's what I'm gonna say to anyone who th- says any of my podcasts are too long. You know, <laughs> it's formally inventive. That's what I like about it. That's so. what
0: we like about it. You can Indeed. throw me. I'll be your we. I also loved Connor. Also did my my bonus line would be when they see that there are still spots in uh, Logan's like mausoleum for future burials, and and Connor says, "I was crazy for cryogenics, but I wouldn't say no to a top bunk." Uh, was amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, good stuff. All right, folks. There is one more episode of Succession, two more episodes of Decoding TV covering Succession. Look forward to them. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin
0: A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.